Hello and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb. And as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you, man? Doing well on this uh, fine Tuesday. What about yourself? I uh, I really couldn't ask for more. It's a short week because I'm at the PGA on Friday, and uh, it's been a really good start to the week. How about you? Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a good week. We had kind of a busy weekend, so glad this week's kind of moving along nicely. And then, yeah, ready for the PGA, some cowgirl softball. There's Oklahoma State men's golf going on. Just a lot, a lot of sports happening right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's uh. I mean, there is a lot going on. We've got a ton to get to. And there's like a lot of activity in the basketball transfer portal. Like if you listen to this podcast, we told you that the dog days of summer are typically the hot zone for the transfer portal. And that's what's going on uh, right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll get, get to all that here later in the episode. But I mean, let's just jump right in. Let's not waste any time. Um a couple of things, a couple of housekeeping items here. Um, we've talked about this particular gentleman uh, a few times. Our, our friend Cooper Lovelace committing to USC. Were you surprised about that? It was a little weird. So he had basically, he had gone on the visit to USC. We said that last podcast, but he didn't commit. So Oklahoma State and Florida were the other two schools that apparently were in the mix. We talked about that on here. I know Coach Dickey was there to visit Lovelace, I think, last Monday. And then it was planned that he was either going to visit Oklahoma State or Florida last weekend. And then the whatever school he didn't visit that week, he, he was going to visit this upcoming weekend, didn't make his decision. Well, as you said, he didn't do any of that. He kind of went silent and then out of nowhere just committed to USC. It's it's tough. I, I know you and I were kind of questioning whether he's a guy who could come in from junior college and only play in one year of high school football and be able to make an impact next year on the line. I know some people I talked to thought he could do that. So you and I were questioning a little bit, but I'm not shocked. It, it's not great news, but I, I mean, did you, did you think he was going to be OSU? I, I pretty much thought it was going to be USC after, <laughs> after the screaming from the phone call. Yeah. Quote. I, I think after you and I talked and I read off that quote, we, we kind of exchanged a glance and it felt at that point that, that things were not looking great. So it is disappointing. Oklahoma state could have really used the depth up front, but I mean, honestly, when could they not use the depth? So, I mean, it's not really a backbreaking loss. Um, you know, the Prince Pines thing sucked, but I mean, you know, I think now you know who you got and, and let's, let's get to fall. That's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. And, Speaking of offensive linemen, Cade, our, our guy, we finally got some coming in. We that's, got some coming that's right. in. We got Vanderbilt transfer Jason Brooks and USC transfer Casey Collier. They moved in, I believe, either it was either Sunday or yesterday. So they're settled in, getting ready for summer strength and conditioning with Coach Glass. We're at 83 scholarships right now, so two more to get to the limit. 
from, from everything I've heard, they're still going to try to pick up an offensive lineman. I don't know. You know, I've scoured the portal, not that I'm the uh, end all be all for portal, but <laughs> I don't, I don't see a lot of guys left. You know, we talked about, we talked about uh, from Oregon. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but I don't know who's out there. It might have to be a Juco guy, but it sounds like they're still going to try to get another offensive lineman. And then maybe with that last scholarship spot, either they give one to a walk-on. We've seen them do that a lot in past years, or maybe they look, you had mentioned maybe even trying to get an experienced cornerback. We'll see kind of what they do there. I mean, what do you think they're going to do with those final two spots? Well, now that they've got an answer at running back with DeAndre Jackson, not Desmond Jackson, I nailed it that time. I won't call it out every time I get it right, but they've got a running back now. They've answered that need in the portal. Now I think you probably could go one more offensive lineman and you could go cornerback. At this point, I'm not going to hold my breath. I mean, they'll they'll use those other two scholarships, no doubt about it. Um, I think they'd probably be crazy to not, but you don't want to just throw it into the wind and, and give it to anybody. Um, so there's nobody in the portal today that jumps out at me that Oklahoma State's just got to go get. And that's kind of you, – you said that just a moment ago, but I completely agree with you. There's not anybody out there that jumps off the page at me unless there's a – Another situation similar to DeAndre Jackson, where he is committed somewhere, decommits, and then almost immediately commits to Oklahoma State. That would be a scenario that I wouldn't be surprised to see. But if it was up to me, those two position groups would would get a, a scholarship each. Yeah, I agree. I, I like that. And so they've got 16 offensive linemen on scholarship heading into the fall. And then I think there's somewhere in the range of like six to eight preferred walk-ons that are expected to arrive for the summer program. So like Gundy said, they're going to have, you know, what it, he keeps mentioning, 25 guys in there. Hopefully somebody stands out. There's some of the incoming freshmen. I know like an Austin Kowecki. Maybe that's yeah. a guy who can be in your depth right away if he can come in and kind of get up to shape and size and strength. So we'll see. I know Dickey really likes him. Cole Birmingham's injury is huge. That's why they're obviously still looking to add somebody else. But you've got Woodard, Wilson, Maholski, Barr all coming back. And – from everything we've heard and seen, Caleb Etienne is I'm almost certainly your starting left tackle from all the good things we've heard about him. So just got to shore up the rest of that line, see where everything fits. You got some great pieces like Wilson at center, Woodard, but we'll see. Yeah, no doubt about it. We are definitely in the we'll see uh, phase of the transfer portal. And, <laughs> you know, again, the transfer portal deadline is passed. So if you're not in the portal, you can't transfer. Um, so, uh, that's, that's where we're at. You can't be, you can't transfer and obviously be eligible to play in August. So, uh, if you see them in the portal, they're, they're eligible. That's kind of how this works. Um, Dustin, one more, you know, quick housekeeping item to, to, you know, knock out here. Braylon Presley opting out of the state track meet. Sounds like he, uh, tweaked the hammy. Yeah, it's tough. Cause I, I believe future OU cornerback Jaden Rowe was going to be some of his main competition in the hundred meter. So he opted out of the class six, uh, a state track meet. I believe that's taking place in Ardmore. He said, I was behind in the hundred meters at the regional. And as I pushed it to win, I felt something in my hamstring. I talked with my dad and Brennan and the three of us thought it would be good to report to Stillwater. 
wouldn't be good to report to Stillwater with a hamstring injury. So appreciate that from Braylon. Yep, for sure. Very thoughtful, very (laughs) forward thinking. So he'll be there ready to rock and not injured. And we'll kind of, I think it's great. I I wish he would have gotten there in the spring because I think he's a guy with his just electricity. He's one of the best high school football players I've ever watched when breaking down his film. I know he's a little undersized, but if that was a guy you could get in the spring, maybe he's a little bit more likely to play. I think he'll still be using some gadget situations this year, but I know we got a question either last yeah, we or did. The pod before. Don't think he's going to be a major contributor, but in the future, he definitely will be. Yeah, that's that's actually what I was thinking about. We got a question, I think it was on last week's episode, about how they would use Braylon Presley. Totally think gadget plays are, are possible, special teams possibly, but – Man, I just I I I'm kind of in the train of thought that he's going to get four games in red shirt, but we'll see. That's assuming everybody that needs to stay healthy does, and you don't need him. So uh, definitely a smart call on his end to uh, to to you know hang things up on on the track and field uh, side of things. So anyway, Dustin, a couple of other things that we've got going on. Malcolm Rodriguez is is apparently tearing it up. I don't know if you saw the clip on Twitter going around. I think Oklahoma State fans were just dying to see him in a professional like uniform of any variety, and uh, and they got it. Yeah, according – I saw – so Malcolm's at the Detroit Lions rookie minicamp. Pretty much all the Oklahoma State guys who were drafted or signed as free agents are at those rookie minicamps right now. But according to a report from Jeremy Reisman of Pride of Detroit – Lions linebacker coach Kelvin Shepard said Malcolm Rodriguez picked nearly everything up from the jump from pre-stap alignments to coverages. (laughs) I saw that on a Pokes Report article. Robert Allen mentioned that. Dan Campbell said, it's day one here. I know this. He looks the part. I mean, he's in excellent shape, and he's been training. These guys have been training for the combine, all of them, so they're not in the greatest football shape right now. But you can see he's been working, and he certainly looks the part. He seems to be pretty smart like we thought he would be, we'll see where it goes. So when Dan Campbell saying stuff about you, I mean, Dan Campbell has all the qualities I love in a coach, as we've talked about on this podcast. He's an absolute psychopath. So love to see, hear him say those things about Malcolm. I also listened to Malcolm's. Did you get a chance to listen to his I did. media I did. availability? They asked him a lot of questions about wrestling. Um, they asked him a lot about kind of his background, just in general at Oklahoma State how he was kind of brought in as a safety, how that helps him with coverage. And they asked him what he thought he could do for the Lions as soon as next year. And he said, definitely starting with special teams. Special teams is big here. So getting on special teams and working my way up in the linebacker room. That's what he's trying to do. You love to hear that. That's a great mindset. It's exactly what you and I talked about when we talked about how he can contribute for Detroit as soon as next year. So I think it's going to be awesome. And Cade, we're going to get to watch him on hard knocks because that's what the Detroit Lions I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that starts That's, August 9th, so that will be awesome. Yeah, I would. I wonder what type of exposure he's going to get because he's got an interesting story. I mean, and he's got what, a great personality. He really does. He is also a tank. I mean, some of these highlights oh. of him floating around, there's like, okay, I don't know what he's been doing from January 1st to, to May 18th, but he is massive. He has no <laughs> neck. He walks around like Luke Keekley used to. <laughs> That's what he looks like to me. He walks around like Brock Lesnar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a more apt comparison for sure. 
but I'll be, man, I can't wait to watch him play. I mean, he looks like he's faster he was already really fast for a linebacker, but he just, I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to contribute. He's got great coverage skills, great hands. We talked about, he played quarterback in high school, played safety. He's a wrestler, which everybody knows by now. It's the one thing people say when they talk about Mom Rodriguez, but all of that plays into his athleticism, his flexibility, and his just overall knowledge of the game, playing so many positions in high school and then even safety and linebacker in college. So all of that adds to it. Now, I really think he's going to stick around in the NFL for a while. I don't know if you got a chance to read this Detroit News article uh, about Malcolm Rodriguez, but he was talking about who he would compare himself to. And he said, Bobby Wagner, who was six foot, 242 pounds. And he said, he's not the biggest guy, but he's just one of those smart dudes. He's got the angles. He definitely watches a lot of film. It's one of those things that if you have the mechanics and the technique down, you're able to make plays and visualize what's happening. That's exactly how Malcolm Rodriguez plays. Like the the guy's a good interviewer because he just calls it how it is. And he's correct. That's spot on. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's going to be fun to watch him. I saw he is rocking number 44. So yeah, I might 44. have to get that Detroit Lions jersey. There was a couple other numbers. Did you see some of the other numbers, Cade, that came out for the OSU guys? I did, but I've forgotten them since. <laughs> so I have – I may be missing a few, but I have Devin Harper at number 50 for the Cowboys. Love that. Holmes is rocking 34 for the Commanders. Josh Sills is rocking 61 with the Eagles. Jalen Warren, who you mentioned some comparisons between James Conner. He's wearing James Conner's number at Pittsburgh, number 30. Oh, that's – you love to see it. Yeah, so good call from you. You got (laughs) Trey Sterling. I believe he's number 45 with the Packers. Israel Antoine's 93 with Jacksonville. And then Colby Harvell-Peel, I believe, was rocking 45 with the Texans. But I know, Cade, you and I talked about this yesterday. So he was waived due to a hamstring injury that was going to sideline him for six to eight weeks. Nobody picked him up on waivers. So he's reverted to the injured reserve. So I think he's technically still on the Texans, just on their injured reserve. So he's not – I don't think he's officially off the team. He was waived due to an injury. No one picked him up. So I think he falls back onto their injured reserve list. Interesting. Probably not – a good thing to end up on an injured reserve list this early into camp. I mean, shoot, had yeah, the Texans even started camp? I mean, it couldn't have been couldn't have been much uh, going on. It yet. was just that rookie mini camp, so that's that's tough to take an injury like that. Wish wish Colby all the best. Yeah. I, I really I thought he was a guy that could maybe sneak into the draft. So I th- hopefully yeah, I he recovers from this. And but like you said, it's it's tough to have this injury because you know now now you're falling behind everybody else. Can you? Can you make it back up? You were a free, free agent. Right. It's going to be tough. Kristen Holmes rocking 34 is tough. I'm not a fan. <laughs> yeah. It's not as, not as uh, saucy as a uh, number zero. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a huge fan of 34. I like my, I like my cornerbacks in the twenties or single digits. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. A cornerback rocking the two. So clean. Yeah. So clean. Yeah. I like that much better. Um, well, cool. Good, good recap there, Dustin. Um, a couple of other things. I mean, Malcolm Rodriguez and, and Devin Harper and Christian Holmes. I mean, walk us through the contract situation there, because I know when you're drafted, um, you know, some guys sign a rookie deal immediately, some guys don't. So maybe walk us through what you, what you got there. 
Yeah, all three of those guys are signed. So Malcolm's deal with the Lions is a four-year contract worth $3.8 million with a $187,000, almost $188 signing bonus. So that makes an average salary of $961,000. Harper, a four-year contract, he's also around three point eight with a $177,000 signing bonus. And that gets him really close to Malcolm's salary, average salary at not, around nine sixty. Christian Holmes, a little bit less. He's about 3.75 on a four-year contract with a, about half the signing bonus at 94,000. So his average salary is a little bit less than those two guys, about 20K less around 940, 938 range. So cool to see these guys get signed. Yeah, uh, make it some cool money. To look at those dollar figures. Because I want that, but yeah, right. still cool. I was gonna say, man, that would uh, that wouldn't suck. I wouldn't be against that type of money. So, <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Thanks, Dustin. Appreciate that. Um, just a couple of other quick recruiting uh, notes to make before we move into basketball, which there's a lot to get to. Dustin, maybe walk us through some of the latest offers that you've got in front of you. Um, I know there's a, a Kyle Parker that we're particularly interested in. Yeah, it's always interesting when Casey Dunn gives her a offer out to a wide receiver because he's pretty selective. Right. And it's a little bit different than some of the other positions. Casey Dunn sees a guy he likes, he offers him, and he normally gets him, or at least he normally gets within their top three or five list because Oklahoma State has produced so many big-time receivers, guys that have gone on to the NFL, guys that have had huge accolades at the college ranks. So Kyle Parker – He's a little bit smaller, 5'11", 175-pound, three-star guy out of Lovejoy High School in Lucas, Texas. He's currently the number 688 prospect in the 2023 class on 247, number 94 overall receiver, and number eight, number 118-ranked prospect out of Texas. Uh, he's got offers from Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Louisville, Mississippi State, Penn State, SMU, Texas, among others. So, I know Louisville is going after him hard, so Oklahoma State's kind of coming in the mix now. But like I said, when Casey Dunn wants these guys, he normally gets them. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, already a loaded wide receiver room, and I love the point you made. He doesn't miss very often. And when he does, it's usually because he's swinging for the fences and going for a five-star. Usually ends up in their top three, but doesn't make it all the way. So um, it'll be interesting to see where Oklahoma State shakes out. What do you, what do you like about him, uh, this, this Kyle Parker fella? So from the film I've watched, he's the guy that they just throw wide receiver screens to, and he just flies. It's kind of where them. we're – I mean, <laughs> Oklahoma State likes these guys. So he he's a really – he's really shifty. I didn't see a ton of different routes from him when I watched the film, but I haven't fully dove in. But he looks like a guy with kind of his foot speed quickness, the choppy feet, that could run some really clean, crisp routes. I, th I think he's going to be a guy to watch come going into this senior season. He was first team 5A all district in Texas. So he's a big time player and he's a guy to keep your eye on. Yeah, no doubt. These wide receiver screens are all over the place. Who was the, uh, who's a commit Oklahoma state just got, uh, it was between Oklahoma state and SMU that it, most of his tape is either quick slants or, it's the uh, bubble screens. I can't, the name is escaping me. I you, you're so good with names. I thought you might. You're talking uh, the the guy that decommitted from Oregon. Is that yeah, who you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, and ended up oh, at Oklahoma it's, State. Uh, did I'm, I don't have to think of it. It's 
That's okay. I'll come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. I'll come back to no it. worries. I didn't mean to put I you on the spot the there. I, no, no. I try hard not to do that, but uh, <laughs> I couldn't think of it either. I was like, man, he reminded me of Deshaun Jackson, but I obviously not his name. So <laughs> yeah, he's no, he's a very, very similar player to him, but there's a couple of O-line prospects scheduled to visit in June. Guys we talked about on here, Ian Reed from Austin. He's a 6'5", 290 pounder. And then Isaiah Robinson, the big 6'7", 295 pounder out of Arlington Lamar. So expect those guys to visit in June. They both have pretty, pretty big time offer lists. I know Robinson's got Alabama, Everybody you can Auburn, think of, Texas, yeah. yeah, A&M. And then Reed has schools like Clemson, Texas, Texas A&M, Wisconsin, Ohio State. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Some big name guys that are coming to visit. If, if Oklahoma State could land either or both of those guys, it would be big time for the offensive line. I would think they're probably trying to take four in the class, if I had to guess, four or five. So in the 2023 class, yeah. these two would be awesome. Yeah, man, especially with with the accolades and the, uh, the programs that Oklahoma State would be going up against, especially in an Isaiah Robinson. Both of these guys, fantastic recruiting profiles, no doubt about it. So, you know, moving into 2024, a few other guys, Micah Hudson, Legend Journey, fantastic name. <laughs> Love his Another name. all-name team. Uh, <laughs> Kylan Reed and Alexander Rogers uh, all coming in this week with offers out of the 2024 class. Yeah, uh, all those guys getting offers. Micah Hudson's a big-time wide receiver, five-star guy out of Temple, Texas. Legend Journey, I don't really care about his ranking. Got to take him on name alone. Absolutely. Queso Brooks <laughs> and Legend Journey. What more needs to be said? Uh, Alexander Rogers, he's a guy who's gotten some offers recently after not having a ton. I think Baylor and Texas Tech offered recently. He's a 5'9", 165-pound defensive back that you would hope hits some kind of growth spurt soon, but he's a really talented player, track track guy as well. So got a lot of speed there. And then, kid, kind of wrapping up the recruiting, Oklahoma State gave an offer out to a 2025 QB, Sawyer <laughs> Anderson from Dallas uh, Parish Episcopal. He's a little bit shorter, 5'11", 175-pounder, but led Parish Episcopal to a 12-1 and record as a freshman. And I believe this is the first quarterback, and I think they don't have many offers in general out to the 2025 class. So there's your first quarterback name. Sawyer Anderson sounds like a quarterback from a movie or something. Yeah, no, oh, dude, that's absolutely perfect. Sawyer is totally like a Blue Mountain State or even like <laughs> even a little more dramatic than that, like Gossip Girl <laughs> or something like that. But 12 and one as a freshman, that's that's pretty salty. And, and you said in Texas, right? Yeah, uh, Parish Episcopal. I, yeah, I'm not sure they're division. So they're TAPS Division One. So they're they're in the private school division, yeah. I believe, of the Texas football. So a little bit different how that works. Well, but def definitely a name to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, not a ton of big offers right now. Boston College, Colorado, North Carolina State, SMU, Texas Tech. So Oklahoma State's getting in pretty early when it comes to big time Power Five names. So name to watch there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, Dustin, thank you for the breakdown right there. Appreciate you going through that. One thing you should note as a listener, the, the draft lottery is on right now, and both Dustin and I are monitoring the situation, and we will keep you abreast <laughs> of any updates. But before we do that, I just want to say a quick thank you 
to sponsor of the Feels Like 45 podcast, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is the fourth generation in his family to graduate from Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so that you can turn your ideal future into a reality. You can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash price hyphen Buckley. B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. And again, that's 469-757-0290. Dustin, I mean, we talked about this as a possibility last week. And by the time you and I got off and the podcast was edited and submitted, uh, he had committed Russell Harrison out of nowhere from the University (laughs) of uh, Louisiana Monroe, uh, 6'7 wing player who can absolutely stroke it from deep commits to the Cowboys really I mean it felt like a 24-hour deal from the first time I heard about it I think you probably heard about it to the time that you know it's a it's a done deal yeah big time commit from him he's kind of been all over the place so he he started his college career at NAIA Wayland Baptist then he went on to Juco Clarendon in Texas and then he went to ULM and I believe in there he took a full year off Saw an interview he had with uh, Pistols Firings, Marshall Scott, saying he had some family issues to take care of and took a whole year off of basketball. And I believe he redshirted the year before. So basically two years off of basketball. But this is a guy, 6'7", 200-pound wing, can play a little guard and forward that can stroke it from three-point range. I believe he shot 38% last season, fires him up, gets him up quick, can play on the defensive end as well, I believe. Texas Tech, NC State, Tulsa, New Mexico were some of the schools looking at him. So he compared himself to Jason Tatum and Carmelo Anthony. So I do to, uh... like the Jason Tatum comp. <laughs> I do like that. Um, I've got some questions, but I do like the uh, – like I could see a little bit of that. Well, that's what I wanted to ask. So one year of eligibility left. What do you think his contribution is next season on this Oklahoma State team? Well, I think he's absolutely a role player, um, but I think it's okay to say that role players are vitally important in this conference. You, you need to be eight deep, I mean, minimum, to get the job done. And I think what he does better than I think anybody did last season is he can stop and pop from three. It's not, he doesn't have to be standing still. He can move off of a ball screen, shoot the three and hit it. And I think that's what I appreciated most about watching his film. What I watched in your Twitter breakdown, which is absolutely fantastic, by the way, if you haven't looked at it, go check it out. It feels like 45 pod on Twitter, but I think he's probably, as you look at the roster today, probably the seventh or eighth guy. I I would think, I think he fills in the Keelan role, but you know, I think they're probably moving away from that, you know, stretch three. I think they're going to be point guard to be named later, Avery and Bryce at one, two, three. And so I I really could see Russell Harrison coming off the bench to fill that three spot. Yeah, I I agree with you there. He's a guy we talked about this last week when we talked about him possibly committing since we had heard, heard some rumors about it. He's not your Ferran flavors that has Ferran flavors who has to get up nine threes a game to get going you know 5.8 attempts per game and only 13.1 points and he shot consistently that 38 percent from three all season so 
he's a guy that doesn't need to take a million of them and can come in off the bench, how you alluded to. So I think that's a perfect role for him. I think he's a little bit more of a smart cerebral basketball player than Akilin Boone is. And he's someone that played a ton of minutes these past two seasons, averaged 31 minutes in the 2020-21 season and 32 and a half per game last season at Louisiana Monroe. Louisiana Monroe was not very good. So it's kind of a little bit difficult to evaluate the games. I got to watch him play against Troy and SMU and they're terrible. They, they actually played SMU pretty well, but I think LSU crushed them. There were a couple of teams. I, I think that saw that they lost by like 60 points in one game to a power five school. So it was a little bit hard to evaluate, but he's a guy who played several 40 minute games. He had some big clips of scoring from what I heard in some of the uh, in-game commentary when I was watching the Troy game, they talked about how the 2020-2021 season, when his stats were a little bit down from the from last year, that they kind of – Louisiana Monroe's coach was asking him to do some things he's not really comfortable with, and they, they let him just kind of turn into more of a shooter, scorer, and defensive guy last year, and he, and he excelled. He filled up the stat sheet, five – Five and a half rebounds, 1.3 assists, a steal, almost a block a game. So he's he's going to be fun to watch. He's, he's too big to not be getting on the glass. I mean, standing at 6'7", he's, he's pretty skinny. Um, I don't have his weight in front of me, but if you look at him on, on – I think know, he's listed at 200. Yeah, that that sounds about right uh, after a couple of cheeseburgers for sure. So <laughs> I, I like him. I think he's a fun prospect and a definite like – checked box in my mind like i don't know if he's going to come in and average 13 but he if he comes in and gives you six i mean that's that's more than rondell or keelan were giving you so i think you would take that i think i maybe it may be kind of a hot take but i think he is an upgrade from keelan is that i know i think i agree with you just from a pure shooter shooter's perspective he shot 5.8 threes a game last year so we've seen a large sample size from him large enough to know this guy can shoot a little bit so i and he gets I the think shot off so quick he does and uh, it's like i mentioned to you off air it's robotic in the way that it's repeatable and and he shoots it and it looks like it could go in you know what i mean like yeah. there were times where there are other players on the roster whether they're here at oklahoma state anymore or not where it didn't look like it was going in based on the way they brought the ball up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's six, seven and elevates on his jump shot, which you don't always see from when guys start getting a little bit taller, their jump on their jump shot starts being a little bit, you know, not as much of a jump, but this allows him to kind of create space. So he doesn't really have to do it with the dribble, which he can shoot off the dribble. You, you mentioned that earlier, but he's able to kind of create space with that jump and with his length. And he kind of, arches his body out so I, I didn't see a single one of his shots get blocked in th those two games or any of the other kind of just games I watched for just a little bit that I found on YouTube so I, I think he's going to be fun I, my my OSU I've been trying to do former or current OSU player comps for these guys I gave him Leighton Hammonds it was a, yeah I love that. they're not the exact same player Leighton wasn't as good of a shooter percentage wise from the outside and I think he maybe is a little bit more athletic than Russell Harrison is, but I, I like that comp. I like it a lot too. I like it a lot too. I think you're spot on. Dustin, moving on to another guy that we looked at as well. He had already committed by the time we recorded Caleb Asbury out of Texas State. This is a guy 
that just sound like John Madden there. This is a guy <laughs> that I am very excited about. Explosive athlete, volume scorer. Um, I would think if there's a transfer portal guy to get pumped about, it's him. Yeah, I think this is a guy who can come in right away and compete for some big-time minutes, even with guys like Avery Anderson and Bryce Thompson. We talked about it, you know, Texas State, very slow pace. He still was able to average 13.6 points a game. He's a multiple all-conference guy. Only one year of eligibility remaining as well. We, we did a lot of – we knew he was going to commit, so we, we broke him down a lot on the last pass, but he's – two-time first-team Sunbelt guy, I believe, or or at least he was last year. So he's someone that can come in. He can shoot from three. He can can make plays off the dribble. He's a really solid one-on-one defender as well, which I liked from watching him. And I'll try to do a breakdown on him soon as well. But I know Georgetown, Loyola Chicago, Ole Miss, Wichita State, Texas, Tulsa, we're all interested in him. So pretty big pickup there. Start his career at Ranger College, Community College, before getting to Texas State. So he's not moved around as much as Harrison, but he's moved a little. Kate, I wanted to ask you. So Boyden's bringing in two guys with one year of eligibility left. Do you think that's playing the scholarship reductions is playing into him doing that at all? Like some guys you can bring in, experienced guys that can play for one season kind of get them out of there to open up some scholarships to bring in some more high school guys or am I, am I reading too much into that? That's a really good question. I think there's probably a lot of answers to it. Here's what I, here's one thing that I think. I think the transfer portal has rendered high school recruiting a little bit more obsolete than it used to be. I think you watched Iowa state last year, go to the sweet 16 or Elite eight. Were they in the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight? I think they were Sweet 16. Doesn't matter. They got that far basically out of the transfer portal. So um, I think the the idea of recruiting out of the transfer portal seems a lot more attractive than potentially flying around all across the country to try to pick up a three-star recruit. And, you know, we saw this week Parker Fredrickson decommit, which I know is on our list, but the reason that doesn't sting as much anymore is because you can get somebody out of the transfer portal that, that has some experience. And so um, I, I like it. And I, I, I think I could see with, you know, I could agree with what you're saying there. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I think both of these guys are guys that come in and contribute right away. I think Asbury's a guy that Oklahoma state fans are really going to take to, I'll do a, Like I said, I'll do a breakdown on Twitter with him coming up soon, but I like both of these guys. I, I don't know, Cade. What do you think? Do, do you think Asbury's probably the guy who makes a little bit more of an impact next season? Man, I could see as I could see Asbury starting, or I could see Asbury first off the bench. The only reason I say he could start is I don't know what Oklahoma State's going to do at the point guard spot. He seemed like he was pretty comfortable bringing the ball up, but is still one of those combo guards that isn't necessarily a facilitator on the offensive side. He's a scorer. You know, I don't know how much him and Avery can coexist if one of them is carrying the ball. So now I think the need for another point guard that that runs the offense is even greater than it was. But I think Caleb Asbury, again, explosive athlete. You got to go watch his tape if you haven't yet. Um, I, I think you'd be excited about him for sure. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned it, Cade. Some bad news with the good news coming. Parker Fredrickson, 2023 Bixby shooting guard. Two months after committing, has decommitted. He was uh, Oklahoma State's lone 2023 
commitment, 6'3", 165-pounder, 20 offers, including Creighton, Illinois, Iowa, Missouri, OU, ORU, Tulsa, Virginia Tech, to name a few. He's a big-time scorer. We talked about him on the pod. Averaged 27.8 points a game last year. Had two 40-point games against Jinx and Broken Arrow. Posted 30-plus 11 times. Number 118th-ranked overall prospect on 247 in the 2023 class and number three in Oklahoma. Tough loss. I'm not really 100% sure what's going on there. I know you and I were talking. We've heard a few things, but it seems like Tulsa may be one of the front runners in the mix now, which is a little odd. It's a, it's a little odd, and I just go right back to the point I made. I, I liked Parker Fredrickson, no doubt. Everything I said when he committed still holds true. I think he's one of the best shooters in this class. I think Oklahoma State is going to probably see him wherever he ends up going and miss the idea of him. Will they be able to find somebody in the transfer portal to fill that spot? Absolutely. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. A decommitment out of a high school prospect does not mean what it used to in this day and age. I think you can fill that spot and potentially upgrade, but uh, not yeah. ideal, especially local kid. He's going to be a four-star recruit. So, well, they might be, uh, they might be reloading with two guys in Brandon Garrison and Trent Pierce, two 2023 guys who just, <laughs> they, they sure who might visit it. Yeah. So I think they visited this past weekend. I know Marshall Scott, I think from pistols firing reported that first. So Brandon Garrison from Dell city, and Tulsa Union, Trent Pierce is from Tulsa Union. They're both four-star guys, like I said, in the 2023 class. Garrison's the ranked number 56. Pierce is number 116. Garrison's a 6'9", 205-pound center, and Pierce is a 6'8", 180-pound small forward. They both got some big-time offers. Both play for Team Griffin uh, in AAU. So that kind of came out of nowhere, but right after the Parker Fredrickson decommitment news. So these are two guys that I think Boynton is going to go after hard. Yeah, I think you're correct. Dustin, as you said all of that, the Oklahoma City Thunder just received the second pick in the uh, NBA draft. And I heard a little bit of what you said, and I, and I blacked out a little bit. I thought they were going to get the first there. <laughs> but you'll take number two. I mean, they're going to get 12, they're going to get Paolo or Chet. That's what I'm that's what I'm going for. But I love it. Anyway, that's that's awesome. I they they got the short end of the stick last year. Anyway, back to what you were saying about Brandon Garrison and Trent Pierce. I saw them both at the baseball game. Large large men. Brandon Garrison is a a brick house. Trent Pierce not so much, but still very tall. And I like both of their games. Uh, again, these tall, rangy athletes, Brandon Garrison. I mean, he's listed as a power forward, I think, on 247. Um, just a really big, big athlete um, can kind of do it all. And I think would would be a great addition to the class. Um, Trent Pierce is apparently supposed to be one of the best shooters in this upcoming class as well. I think he's 2024, though, isn't he? I thought they were may, both 23. I may have that wrong. I may have that wrong. Um, regardless, and we'll we'll figure that out. But regardless, <laughs> he's a uh, is an interesting prospect as well. Yeah, Trent Pierce is a 2023 prospect. I had that written down wrong. That's my fault. 
Steven Johnson was our guy earlier. I kept forgetting to mention that because of the Thunder news. Steven Johnson is who committed, <laughs> decommitted from Oregon. The That's wide receiver. right. That's sorry. Right. I looked that Thank up like you. way long ago. I forgot to say it. My bad. Uh, no big deal. Yeah. Well, also, Trent Pierce just received an offer from our old friend Brad Underwood and Illinois. Mm. So his, his recruiting profile is blowing up a little bit. He's taken officials to Minnesota, um, probably going to take one to Illinois, just took one to Oklahoma state. So he's well, Mike's, Mike's got him now. So yeah, he's Oklahoma know. state now, you know, it. Uh, I think the last basketball news kid that I had written down, unless you had something else is Aaron Bradshaw, seven foot center from New Jersey released his top seven. He's a five-star guy, and Oklahoma State made the top seven, hopefully at the top end of the top seven. Yeah. (laughs) With some of the names in this list, like Kentucky, like the NBA G League, it's like, okay, this is who (laughs) Oklahoma State's going up against nowadays. And so it's hard to get too excited. I'll wait until he trims it down to, like, his top three because, that's you know, nowadays there's two lists. We put out a top 12 and a top three. Um, So I'll wait to see if Oklahoma State makes that secondary cut, but – it doesn't hurt to be in the conversation with some of these teams. Yeah, and he seems, from the little I've watched from him, more like a Musa Cisse than more of like a stretch center guy. He's kind of an around-the-rim, big-time shot blocker, catches lobs, can finish around the basket. Not, not like a stick-in-the-mud center by any means. Just not really a guy that stretches it from the outside. I mean, he shot nearly 70% from the field in Nike's EYBL AAU circuit, so – He's, he's just an efficient, tall, athletic, big guy that hopefully it comes to Oklahoma State, but like you said, with Kentucky, Michigan, UCLA, Louisville, Maryland, and the G League as the other schools in the top seven, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think anytime you're up against competition like that, it's a good thing. It reminds me of uh, a little bit of the Isaiah Todd recruitment saga just the the teams that he's that Mike Boynton's up against here so again we'll update you here in the fall when he trims his list to to three or four whatever it ends up being again I'm being sarcastic here but um, (laughs) it's it doesn't hurt to be in that conversation but Dustin moving on to what I know you really want to talk about that's Oklahoma State softball is it not oh yeah dude it was what a weekend at the Vintage championship so they beat Kansas on Thursday, two to zero in a game that was really similar to some of the games during the series against Kansas, where Kelly Maxwell is just absolutely dealing co big 12 pitcher of the year, Kelly Maxwell, but KU is pitching well as well. The game ends two to zero in an incredibly strange way. Did you, did you watch this Kate? I watched all of it. I watched so, all of it. Both teams are scoreless in the fifth. Kylie Naomi walks, then steals second. She advances to third on a bunt single by Chelsea Alexander, who also stole second. Cheyenne Factor hit a sacrifice fly to right field that scored Naomi. And then Chelsea Alexander (laughs) advanced to third. And as the pitcher is walking back to the circle, so time hasn't been called yet. The pitcher has to be back in the circle. Her back is turned. The Kansas catcher takes her glove off, doing something with her hands, and Chelsea just takes off for home to get the second run. <laughs> she, she said after the game, as soon as I saw the pitcher turn her back, after they threw it back to her, that catcher also took her mitt off. 
she was walking away, not really paying attention to me. But as soon as she took that glove off, I just went, it was hilarious to see. I put a picture of, or put a video on, on Twitter, but that was awesome. Kelly Maxwell gotten a little bit of a jam in the seventh, but she was able to get out of it. And Kyle, uh, Caitlin Carwell caught the final out. So that was awesome. Then we moved to Friday's game, which I was in attendance with my youngest brother. They win that one six to one. Morgan Day pitched an amazing oh, game. She she's was been, freaking awesome. She's been awesome. You know, Chelsea Alexander had a hit, Factor had a single. Everybody, everybody played well, but Texas's coach Mike White got ejected. And it was an absolute scene. So he's mad because first there was Chelsea Alexander gets thrown out at home, but Mary uh, Iacopo got called for an obstruction call blocking the plate. So they went and reviewed that and overturned it. Then there is a hit, a sacrifice fly that results in Miranda Ellis leaving second base and not tagging. The runner scores from third. I believe it was Cheyenne Factor. So she scores from third. The, the ball gets thrown home trying to get Factor. Well, Ellis doesn't go back to second, so they throw it to second, tag the base. They, they call no run, but the runner scored before the, before the tag at second base. So they go back, review it, give the run, and Mike White lost his mind. One it of seemed the- like he had calmed down for a second. Then he comes back out to coach third base. He's clapping in the third base umpire's face, walking back to the dugout, pumping up the crowd, yeah. then turns around and flips off the third base umpire. It yeah. was premeditated, premeditated uh, assault right there is what that, that <laughs> flip off was. He thought about it all the way back to the dugout and turned around and it wasn't, it wasn't half hearted. I mean, he gave him the, he gave him like the full <laughs> on. The only thing he was missing was like his arm hitting his arm. Like he, he really threw it out there. <laughs> it was so funny. And so my brother and I are, I don't know, seven rows up <laughs> from third base. So we are, we and the rest of the section right there are, are letting coach white know that he needs to be out of here. So yeah. I'd like to think that he also flipped me off and that may be one of the best moments of my life. I think it was directed at me as well. Well, I just, I just want to be the first to thank you for your service and all that you did on Friday uh, in Stillwater or in, in Oklahoma city to, uh, to make that happen. Yeah, I get, I can get a little carried away at Oklahoma state sporting <laughs> events, as you know, so apologies. Oh, you and I, you and I both it. have the same. No bad language was used. Yeah, uh, no, of course not. This is a family show. A lot of yelling. And then Cade, can you, can you take us through game three? Oh, because I, I might pass out. I'll talk about it. I don't even know how to start. What I will <laughs> say is that I was sitting in a very empty Coney Island in Stillwater with my dad, basically watching this entire thing through three innings. I mean, Oklahoma state, well, let's, let's, let's start at fourth inning. I mean, Oklahoma state in control and things start to get away from Oklahoma. It feels like Oklahoma state stretches the lead up to one run in the fourth inning and you're sitting there thinking, I mean, I don't know about you, Dustin. I was thinking, I think Oklahoma state needs two to even think about feeling good about this, just with the, the way the order shook out and everything like that. And then Jocelyn Allo comes up and ties the game in the sixth inning. And you just think, well, here we go. But Oklahoma state gets out of that jam. And it was a jam to end that inning. There were runners on base. And so you start doing the math in your head and you think, okay, if Oklahoma state can get a run here, 
Jocelyn Allo is not going to come up. Tiari Jennings is not going to come up. Um, none of Oklahoma's power hitters up at the front of the lineup are going to come up for the next two innings as long as Oklahoma State does their job defensively. Well, they go into extra innings. Oklahoma State gets a run, and they slam the door. I mean, it was an absolutely thrilling into that game. I mean, what, what were your thoughts, Dustin? It, it was amazing. There was the technical difficulty, so I was yeah that, that I was cutting awesome. video for it. Technical difficulties happened. We had some uh, we had some people coming over to our house on Saturday for a get together, so ended up having to step away from the confu- computer, but had it on the TV. So watch the end. It was just just unreal. So it's the it's Oklahoma State's first conference title since the Cowgirls won the Big Eight in 1995 in their first time winning a conference tournament since 1992. So just, and their first postseason, first postseason win over Oklahoma since 1991. That's just absurd. Uh, Morgan day. I already mentioned her. She won most nominal player of the tournament, Chelsea Alexander factor. And obviously Kelly Maxwell are on the all tournament team. Oh, you, they couldn't. Oklahoma state was able to get, the bat on the ball against like Nicole May, she was struggling. Troutwine came in, and then obviously in softball, they you can put the pitcher back in. So May Hate came it. back Hate in that again. rule. <laughs> so, so it was just it was just insane to watch. But it got Oklahoma State the seven seed. They'll be hosting a regional and the super regional if they're able to make it there. It was announced in the Stillwater Regional they're going to have Fordham, Nebraska, and North Texas, who they beat four to two earlier this year. Cade, what'd you think about that draw? Yeah, I like it. I mean, you got to come to Stillwater. Oklahoma State's hot. Um, I'm a fan of it. And that's going to be a tough ticket to come by. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, like I said, North Texas, they beat them earlier this year. They've got I two thought good that pitchers. was a familiar opponent when I saw that. Yeah, so they faced Skylar Savage and got 10 hits off of her. But Ashley Peters is probably their ace. They saw her for a little over an inning. Kelly threw a four-hit, two-earn run game. North Texas, not, not a great hitting team. I believe they're – I mean, they're decent, 45th in batting average, but 28th in walk-to-strikeout ratio. So Peters and Savage can pitch. Uh, Nebraska, very excellent hitting team, 19th in batting average. Not as great on the pitching end, but they've got, uh, they've got my fielder. And Billy Andrews, who are really, really good hitters. And then Fordham, probably, obviously, the, they're the lowest RPI team in the regional. I'm not sure. I mean, knock on wood, but I don't think Oklahoma State should struggle very much with them. They play them first at 7.30 on Friday. That'll be on ESPN+. Plus. But I'm not worried about Oklahoma State making it out of the regional. And if they, if they do make it out, they'll get either Clemson, Louisiana, Auburn, or uh, UNC – Wilmington, I believe it is, is the fourth team. Clemson is the highest seed there. They're the 10 seed. So not really scared of Clemson. I was looking at D1 softball. I saw yeah, a lot of people either. say they're the most overrated seed in the entire bracket. And I saw three of the four D1 softball analysts have OSU in the College World Series. So Yeah, I think that that's a pretty favorable draw. I actually, looking at Oklahoma State's regional with Nebraska coming off a Big Ten tournament uh, uh, win, I would think that that would be Oklahoma State's biggest roadblock. I mean, obviously Clemson being the number 10 overall seed, that's just not one of those perennial 
powers that that you get a little worried about. Like if they were running into a Florida State again or an LSU or somebody that they'd seen this year that had given them some real trouble, I would have gotten a little concerned about it, but they're not. And so I think Oklahoma State's just got to take care of business. Morgan Day continued to do what she do. Maybe, maybe Morgan Ell- or Miranda Ellish gets a little bit healthier to be able to step into the mound. But I mean, shoot. We'll see. I mean, I, I like the draw. I like the draw a lot. If Oklahoma State can get out of their regional, which they absolutely should, I think they'll be back in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I agree. And and if they make it, I'm, I'm definitely going to try to get there. Oh, the no doubt time. about it. Maybe we'll have a booth there. We'll do a live pod. <laughs> That'll be sick. Uh, a not-so-great weekend in Stillwater for the Oklahoma State Cowboys is they – I predicted a sweep last week on this podcast you were right i was right but i just didn't specify what i was talking about was actually texas tech sweeping oklahoma state which is what happened and two grand slams on the weekend for texas tech uh i was actually at both the saturday and sunday game and uh go anymore uh yeah i don't i don't (laughs) want to go anymore i mean after that it was just brutal uh it's (laughs) crazy hot but i mean dustin you're i mean we don't have to go through all three games it was uh it was not great starting really with the base running on at the end of that game on Friday. And then they just, they just never looked themselves after that. Yeah. It's tough. If, if Texas tech, you know, they had a couple pitchers out, they've been inconsistent pitching all season, but if they're able to get any pitching, their bats are electric. Oh, they're so, so good. Still, it, it, still if so they good. can get, if they can get any pitching, their bats are electric and it's they're tough to beat They're they're a really good team they have a shot to finish second in the big 12 which oklahoma state still has a shot they finish with texas tech finishes with ou oklahoma state finishes with baylor they need a sweep against baylor but yeah like you said you know justin campbell looking decent for the fourth inning and had some issues there's the grand slam you know griffin dorshing and jake thompson are hitting home runs but just not able to get enough going. They lose seven to six. Jackson Kroll gets into a pickle at the end of the game. He came into pinch run. They had a chance to win it. You know, Mendham had that RBI single, but Kroll getting out in just a tough way. I thought they were going to win that game, a little bit of comeback there. Then in game two, this is the first time we've really, in a while, we've seen Oklahoma State get pretty much manhandled. They lose nine to three. Dorshing hits a 513 foot home run, which was probably the highlight of Oklahoma State's day, but just not, or sorry, that I believe that was in game one, but uh, in game two, they're just not able to get much from Bryce Thompson. That was his first loss in conference play after going four and oh this season. So he allowed five runs on three hits. Texas Tech had a huge rally in the fifth inning. It, it was pretty much over. There was the two out grand slam. It was eight to one. Like I said, Oklahoma State came back a little bit. And then in game three, again, Oklahoma State with a chance to win it in six, four, but they had stuff going in the ninth and they got a leadoff single from McLean. They loaded the bases with two outs, but then a strikeout into the game. So it was a tough overall series. Obviously, it's hard to kind of. You don't really dive in too deep. When I know. Like I don't lost, want to. I've already, sweeps, I've so. already compartmentalized it. I'm good. Yeah, they dro- I've, I put it away in my brain. They dropped to eighth from third in the D1 baseball rankings after that loss to DBU and then the sweep from Tech. They're 12th in RPI. So they've got Baylor, like I said, coming up, who's 74th in RPI. They just went one and two against K-State. 
Oklahoma State needs to sweep them if they want a shot at finishing second in the Big 12. TCU's pretty much, I think, got this thing wrapped up. I mean, some things can happen there. Batting average is still continuing to creep up, though, okay? They're almost in the top 100 now. You know, we talked about them being in the 170s, 180s. Still 21st in whip, 18th in uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio, 8th in fielding percentage, 85th in on-base percentage. This is not a bad team. No. Guys like, guys like David Mindeman have been slumping. And you just got to – you've got – when you don't get your best from Campbell, you see more on fan soccer, pitch really well, bogus pitches well. McLean, I mean, you, you just got to get – you got to get the best stuff from Campbell and Bryce. And you need Victor Medeiros back. You need Victor Medeiros back badly, I think. I that That's one of the things that jumped out to me about this weekend. It just – Bumping Bryce Osmond up to Saturday, and then you throw Trevor Martin in on Sunday. It's just not ideal for, for that series. Um, and one thing I'll say about Texas Tech's hitting versus Oklahoma State's, I didn't think Oklahoma State's hitting was as, as atrocious as you know some people on the surface might have thought. But Tech was just all the time. It was timely hitting. All every every inning, it felt like they had one or two runners on, and Oklahoma State was escaping. And so, some of these games could have even gotten more out of hand had Oklahoma State not made some timely defensive plays and get out of some some real log jams. I mean, especially in that game on Sunday, felt like Oklahoma State had no business being in it, and then all of a sudden they are at the end. And so, um, you know, they they need a little bit more action offensively. There were several things I noticed being at the game on Saturday and Sunday, but, um, you know, I'll save those and we'll just hope that Oklahoma state gets past Baylor. I, th- I think at this point, Dustin, you're teetering on a, on a potential problem of not hosting your own super regional and landing outside of the top eight. Yeah. I, honestly, I think the only way that they host a super, I, I think you got, I think you need to sweep over Baylor. And then I think you got to win at least two in our like, I agree. In the Big 12 tournament. And that, that maybe gets you in the mix, but it's going to be tough. I, I mean, I think, you know, go two and one against Baylor, win a game at the Big 12 championship, easily still hosting a regional, I think. But to get the super, like like the girls got, I think you're going to have to sweep Baylor and then win a few at, at the Big 12 championship uh, Memorial Day weekend. I, I totally agree. And um, that's a tough prospect. That's That's basically saying – win five games away from O'Brien, which they've done before, but they've already done it. And so do you think they'll do it again this season? It's a tough ask. And so that, that was a tough time for that sweep to come really look back at those Friday and Sunday games and think what could have been had a couple of things go a little bit differently. Saturday was a wash, you know, with the grand slam to bust it open to eight, eight, one in the fourth or fifth inning or whatever that was. So um, not a great weekend in Stillwater. You hope they can get down to Waco and God, I think you got to get a sweep. I'm with you, Dustin. I think they get it too. I think, you think, I think so? they get it. I'm a little worried about Sunday if Medeiros isn't back, but I, I think they get it. I think the bats, the bats aren't, it's not that the bats haven't been still pretty hot. They left a lot of runners on base in that Sunday game. They're warm enough. And, and if, if, if they can just get them going a little bit against Baylor, it, you know, can't, Campbell should be back to his old self. You'd like to see Bryce get back to where he was before last weekend. And if the bats are going, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. The, the bats are warm enough. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Dustin, just a couple of quick things uh, to wrap us up a uh, couple of golf updates for us, and then we'll jump into listener questions. Yeah. Uh, women's golf. 
take uh number one seeded Oklahoma State's Madison Hinson Tolchard claimed the individual regional championship and the Cowgirls finished T3. So they're moving on to Greyhawk to the national championships, the top four from all the regionals go. So that's going to be pretty awesome. I believe that is May 20th. And some of that should be televised. I know the women's is normally televised. I, I don't know if it, I think it might just be the match play, but I think Oklahoma state can make it there. So they should be, uh, they should be on TV. So that'll be fun. If you get to see the girls there, wish them the best. There's some cool um, women's golf OSU max videos from the big 12 tournaments. So that that's cool. If you want to go check those out and then men's golf, they're in the, they're hosting the Columbus regional. They are T1 right now, and Eugenio Chikara, Lopez Chikara is the individual leader. So they've got round three coming up. They've got huge leads on third, fourth, and fifth. The top five go to, uh, na- to the national championship in the men's. So they've got huge leads there. They're seven under right now. Georgia Tech went absolutely nuts today to tie them at T1. They were 13 under on the day. The next closest was Oklahoma State at three under. So they were at 14 under at one point. I'd like to uh, just make sure a rules official is following them around tomorrow because <laughs> that seems a little absurd compared to everybody else's scores. Yeah, yeah, a little a little strange there. Dustin, thank you for that breakdown there. Well, I, before we get over to listener questions, I do want to take a quick break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, with over 100 schools available. And, I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, Homefield Apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out. And use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And, of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping, as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order. And all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. All right, bringing us back. We do have a listener question this week. We did not last week. So, friend of the pod, Ryan. Shout out to you for this one. We'll go ahead and play it. What's up, guys? So we have a lot of Cowboys in the field at the PGA this week. I'm curious who you think is going to be the highest place finish out of all our Cowboys. And am I going to see either of you there on Friday? Ryan, thanks for the question, man. Appreciate you. And thank you for always sending them in. I feel like you're extremely active uh, in our voice question uh, segment of the podcast. So appreciate that. Dustin, I, I'm looking at Taylor Gooch this week. I know Victor Hovland's going to be the sexy pick, but Taylor Gooch is having a really good year. Yeah. I like the Gooch pick as well. I, I hope Hovland does well. So Alex Noren, Ricky Fowler, Ricky Fowler and Matt Wolf are also in the field. So there'll be five Oklahoma state guys. You can cheer on if you're going, as you've seen from all the Oklahoma state social media accounts, make sure to wear your orange. Yeah. They want everybody in orange, so I'll be wearing mine. I know Kate will be wearing his. That's right. But I, I do like the Taylor Gooch pick. I, I think I'm going to go with you on that. But I, 
I hope Hovland's in the mix. Oh, I hope so too. And I think he will be. Hope all the guys are. Well, you hope they all are. And these guys, Hovland and Wolf, this is a familiar course. Southern is right down the road from Stillwater. So a lot of these guys have probably played it quite a bit. I saw something about Hovland has played like an insane amount of practice rounds there compared to I'm sure he has. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure the big 12s were at Southern Hills the year they won uh, the NCAA championship. I can't recall. I think it was though. Um, Regardless, there's a lot of familiarity there and Ryan, you will see, I will be there on Friday. Shout out to a friend of the pod for that. Um, We will be there, my brother and I on Friday. So uh, say what's up if, if we run into each other. Yeah, I will not, Ryan. So y'all have a beer. Y'all have an eighteen dollar beer from me. But <laughs> hey, twenty five ounces, there. Dustin. That's that's <laughs> that's at least a dollar an ounce. I'll be there on Saturday with some uh, college friends, and I, I, pretty much my entire family is going yeah, as well. So yeah. it'll be it'll be fun. Can't wait. It's a little it's a little bit of a bucket list item for me. So I'm I'm excited. Dustin, flipping it over to you for some Twitter questions. Yeah, so we've got uh, CC, our guy at Curse of Cowboys, who's always given us the over-unders. He the says heaters. over, over under 10 conference wins for OSU men's basketball this upcoming season. And Cade, let me just run you through the conference wins the past few seasons. So 8, 11, 7, 5, 8, 9, 3, 8, 8, 13, going all the way back to the 2012 season. 10 Seems high when looking at that, but mm, I don't know. I, what do you give me the over? You like it? <laughs> I I like Oklahoma State's roster right now. I and I I like it because I think they're gonna fill that hole at point guard. And if they don't, then I'm gonna revise this and I'm gonna hedge my bet and like parlay it into something a little more uh palatable because 10 is a lot, but I I, I just I can't help but think that they're going to fill that point guard spot with something that helps them out tremendously. And if they do, I mean, they got one of the better rosters in the big 12 at that point. So let's just say, for example, Courtney Ramey comes to Stillwater. I mean, I'm taking Oklahoma state to finish top three in the big 12 at that point. Kate. And on that note, and, and I love all that. I think just, just for the sake of argument, I think I'm gonna go right under at nine because they're obviously still making the tournament with nine. But if they don't get Ramey, is John Michael Wright the who just signed officially signed? Uh, Do you think with the Cowboys? Do you think he's the starting point guard? Uh, I don't know if he's the starter. I think Oklahoma State. I I, I just I don't know how his game's going to translate to handling the ball thirty minutes in the Big Twelve. You know what he I mean? Did not do that at high point. No, he didn't. And so he did handle the ball, just not not the full game point guard. Man, I would think they'd put it back in Avery's hand. That would be my guess. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Ho- hopefully, they're able to land Ramey, but we'll see there. I, l- I love that over-under set at 10. I'm going to go right under at 9, but I, I like I like Cade's uh, optimism. Yeah, it's, if, they, it's if they get Ramey, which at this, at this point, it feels a little bit like a pipe dream. We'll see. I think he's coming back to college, so who knows? If, the, if he does, then I'll take the over. If not, I'll, I'll be – it's going to be close. It's tough for me to take to be any form of negative about Oklahoma State. So, you know, I, you know, when you take the over, it's hard for me to take the under, but I'll do it here. <laughs> well, because I'm a good, I'm a good well, podcaster. Yeah, you are. You're a great podcaster, number one. Number two, um, 10 and eight gets you in the, into the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, let's just preface that. 
or eight and ten? Uh, well, eight and ten or ten and eight. I really meant like ten wins. His over under puts oh, you yeah. in the yeah. tournament, like no questions asked. Even yes, eight and ten. Yes. Eight and ten historically has been close enough. Like you, right. you can be really close at eight and ten. Yeah, no, 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 I got you. I got you. I see what you're saying. All right, we've got uh, Brian Metcalf at Brian J. Metcalf. Thanks for the question, Brian, as always. He said, in honor of the PGA Championship being in Tulsa this week, build your all-time OSU golf team. Oh, God. He says five-man <laughs> lineup and two backups. Let's just let's just kind of maybe go with a Can we do one three? lineup. Yeah. <laughs> Can we do one lineup where you pick three, I pick three? Yeah. I, do you have your three? Yeah, but you're going to hate me because I'm going to pick the obvious ones. <laughs> so go. let's go alternate. I'm going to go one. I mean, I'm going to go Peter Uline. Okay. I'm going to go Ricky Fowler. And I'm going to go, let's, let's go Matt Wolf uh, for my three. I like it. But I'm, I'm, I'm filling out three. I'm filling out half a roster here. So now I'm going to flip it to you because we're filling out, we're filling out a Kansas high school uh, varsity team here. There's six players on that roster. <laughs> I'm going to go. So who, wait, who did you say? I picked again? Peter Uline, Ricky Fowler, and Matt Wolf. Okay. So that would leave you, that would leave I'm, you at the very least, Victor Hovland. Yeah, I'll take Victor. I'll take Charles Howell the third. Beautiful. I was, I knew it. And and Kevin Tway was really good when I was in school. He was very good. He's very good. I'm going to go Kevin Tway. If it's just, if it's just from their college career. That's well done. It's very well done. Yeah. I think I'm going to go Hovland, Chucky three sticks and my guy, Kevin Tway. Yeah, which I think, I, he, I think he was a little younger than me, but I remember we were in school at the same time. I picked the low hanging fruit. There's there's no shame in that. I, I really wanted to t- test you on, on what you knew about Oklahoma State golf. No. It's hard. So, as you know, I've said on here and in, in my excuse, it's hard for me to go super far back in the Oklahoma State archives for some like, you know, you know, sports like golf. I'm, I'm a little bit better with baseball, obviously, because that's, you know, one of my favorite sports, but things like golf, or if you were to ask me, you know, even, even about some of the early, you know, seventies, eighties basketball teams and stuff like that, just because I was not an Oklahoma state fan growing up and just, you know, don't have as great of a history and some of those things that aren't as well known. No. And I, you know, I, I filled mine out with college in mind, not necessarily professional career. So Peter Uline being there, one of the best cowboy golfers of all time, didn't necessarily have the professional career to follow, but one, one notable omission, Dustin Scott Verplank. Oh yeah. Bo Van Pelt. I mean, there's, yeah, there's plenty of guys we left off there. We didn't, we didn't even say Alex Norin. Right. The guys that are Hunter, one Hunter Mayhan. Yes. Oh, Hunter Mayhan would have been a great one. Uh, Actually was able to interview him back in at our Cowboys ride for free days. Pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like a cool guy. Uh, Thanks Brian for that. And, And obviously, you know, my apologies for not, not having the great, the greatest team there. So dude, you nailed it. (laughs) <laughs> we've got Weston at CW Mason 92. Thanks Weston for the question. He says over under Jaden Bray, 900 yards and eight TDs. My hot take is he is the breakout wide receiver this year. Did we play this we've, game already? We've gotten this question. I just, I, I think it's going to be a lot of receivers 
around like the 700, 800 mark. Yeah. I think I'm going to go under, but, but I think he's like 870, like right at 900. I think that 900 line is great. And eight TDs, I'm saying maybe more like six. Yeah, I'm with you, dude. I, I really am. I think Jaden Bray is going to have a great year, but I don't know if it's going to be like Justin Blackman, Bolitnikoff year. I, I I just don't see it yet. Uh, but I think he's going to be and the I'm number a huge one guy. Jaden Bray guy. You know, you are. You absolutely yeah. are. And I just and so am I. For the record, there's just so many guys there. There's so many guys that Spencer can throw to. Um, it would not surprise me at all to see him get over that mark. But I'm going to take the under as well. Yeah, love that question. Weston has one more. He said, do you think we throw the ball more because of the inexperience at running back? I do think that we throw the ball more, but I think it's more on the fact that Spencer Sanders showed what he can do, showed his decision-making last year outside of the two games against Baylor. And I think with the tempo, the quick throws, and just normal Spencer Sanders passing game from what he showed last year, if he – if the, the coaching staff feels comfortable with the offensive line at all. I think we throw more because of that. I do think the inexperience of running back plays a, plays a factor, but you know, Gundy is not going to go complete and done or not going to go completely away from running the football. So I think if they do throw it more, it's because they are confident in Spencer Sanders. You took the words right out of my mouth. I think they will throw the ball more. I do not think it is for the reason listed. I think they will be forced to run the ball when they have to run the ball, and they're not going to go away from that. But I do think um, the reason they will throw the ball more is because of what you saw in the Fiesta Bowl and potentially a shift into more of a, a wide-open style of play. I think you absolutely know it, Dustin. Yeah, no, appreciate that. Appreciate those questions, Weston. So we've got uh, Corbett Klein at Corbett Klein. He says, how do you prefer your Sooner tiers? I personally enjoy them on tap and a frosted mug with salt and lime. Yeah, well, Saturday I can I can say I enjoyed it with a side of uh, chili cheese coney and a Miller Lite. <laughs> so, Cade, you know I'm very, very anti-OU. If you, you are. Saw my, <laughs> if you saw my... And I've I've plenty of friends that go to OU, but they they know that went to OU, but they know this as well about me. And if you saw my tweets during the game, I never mentioned OU by name or called them Sooners. <laughs> I called them the opponent, the other team, the team Oklahoma State's playing, but I never mentioned them by name. I hate talking about them unless it has something to do with Oklahoma State. But in this instance, yes, I I, I truly enjoy my. Sooner tears with some kind of beer. Yeah, salt and lime would that, be fine. That is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And salt and lime in a beer. I had one at Iron Monk on Saturday and it was phenomenal. <laughs> so let's just say I completely agree with you, Corbett. And I love that question. Uh, at Curse of Cowboys had one more for us. He says, Who now has a better chance of winning a national championship this season, Cowboy baseball or Cowgirl softball? Kate, I'll let you take that one first. And this is our last question. I'm going to go with cowgirl softball. Um, They slayed the giant. They slayed the giant. As they said on the broadcast. Can you do it three times in a year, which is ultimately what I think it would take. That's the biggest hurdle. I I have some concerns about cowboy baseball. Um, Like like long-term concerns. Like not – not if they're going to get through their regional, not even if they're going to get to Omaha, but like what's going to happen when they get to Omaha and, and run into a Tennessee 
who puts up runs like nobody's business. Um, and Oklahoma State may struggle to do that and may struggle to keep runs off the board at times. Um, I think Oklahoma State softball has fewer roadblocks in front of them. And the roadblocks that they would have, uh, they have already overcome once. So I'm going to take Cowgirl softball. I think my thing with Cowboy baseball is I want to see Bryce Osmond come back against Baylor and pitch how he has yeah. leading up to last weekend. Because, you know, we've talked about it on here. Inconsistency has been his issue in his time at Oklahoma State, but he has been really consistent this year until this last series against Texas Tech. So if he can come in and show me something there, if the bats stay hot, I'll be confident in Oklahoma State soft or baseball, even if even if they're not able to host the Super. But we'll kind of see. I know it's kind of a cop out answer right now, but I think I'm still going to go. <laughs> we'll with, see. Yeah, I think I think I'm still going to go with Cowgirl softball because they showed they could beat OU. Even even if Miranda Ellis can't pitch, Morgan Day has been phenomenal. Gosh, she won an so outstanding good. player at the Big Twelve tournament. We knew she was great. She's a she's a fan of the of the Twitter, so we yeah. love her. Oh yeah, we love her anyway. But it's uh she's she's awesome and then with someone like kelly maxwell and you know i think we talked about this a long time ago on the podcast at the beginning of softball season oklahoma state again changing the rule like they do in all sports the schedule is spread out now in the college world series which gives kelly maxwell more rest and you can pitch her more yeah i think that bodes really well it bodes well for all teams but specifically for oklahoma state and Cade. I don't know if you saw, but Oklahoma's ace, Jordy Ball, the, the talented freshman who's always yapping, she, uh, <laughs> she's got some arm soreness. I believe it's shoulder soreness. And uh, we didn't, that's why we didn't see her a lot in the Big 12 tournament, saw her in the dugout. But if she's not able to fully come back, that's huge because the Cowgirls showed they can hit May and Troutline. No, you just hope that you know, as she rehabs into the off season that, uh, you know, she comes back stronger next year. That's, that's what we would hope. Right. I can't do it. I can't do any more. OU talk. No, it is. It is a lot. And OU softball, man, it's even more than usual. Like it's a lot, it's a lot to handle. So I don't blame you for having uh, some particularly strong opinions about that. Um, yeah, I, it Dustin, you know, just to kind of wrap up your point, you, you nailed it with Kelly Maxwell and Morgan Day. Those two on their own are two of the best pitchers in the conference. Then you factor in the fact that Miranda Ellis could get healthy. Man, I mean, they, they can beat anybody, anybody. And they yeah. already have. Yeah, just want to see the bats. Just want to see the bats get going, how they have been earlier this season. Kind of saw them slump a little bit there at the end of their regular season. But obviously, they're you know what, teams like Florida State and OU. They remind me of the Royals the year the Royals won the World Series, though. They weren't the most explosive team on offense, but the name of the game was pitching, bullpen, and timely hitting. And Oklahoma State softball, no, it's a different sport, but that's what they've got right now. They've at least got those three things, and that can win you a championship. Um, you just got to see what happens with OU. And I mean, we saw last year dropped one to James Madison and came all the way back. And so they are beatable. They have lost two games this year. Let's go see if they can lose two more. Yeah. Uh, I'm very interested to see what happens in postseason play for the Cowgirls. I, I think, I think they're going to be able to make a run, but I'm not, uh, I'm not out on Cowboy baseball. Um, I'm not out if, either. If, if you, 
if you watch baseball, if you, if you grew up playing or grew up watching the game, it's baseball. Oh yeah. This happens. Oh yeah. I mean, Josh Holiday said after the game, and, and if you think that's, that's a cop-out answer from Josh cop-out response to the question of kind of what happened, it's not, it's baseball. It's, it's absolutely not. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I know you and I both grew up playing the game and played a lot of it in my younger years. And, uh, I have more baseball stories than many other topics. So, um, <laughs> I totally get it. And, uh, it's, it's easy to, you know, be disappointed about that, but you just look at how they could potentially rebound and, and that series in Waco is totally sweepable. And then you could end up getting, you know, a two seed at the tournament and go up against, a you know, again, a Baylor or a K-State and then get a Texas or a TCU or a Tech. And then who knows? I mean, I, I think Oklahoma State, though, if they're not hosting a Super, it would be a little bit disappointing just where they were, you know, last weekend. Yeah, it'll, it'll be tough to get to Omaha if, if they're not hosting a Super because, you know, they play well at home. So, yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I apologize if me picking the sweep last week was the kiss of death. It's all, it's turning into the Corso, like when he picks your team type deal. <laughs> no, all right, no. Dustin, any other Twitter questions? I think we're good. I think we're good. Thanks everybody for sending those in. We love them again. Love the uh, audio question from Ryan. Ryan, appreciate that. And if you see Cater Eye out at the PGA, hit us up and we'll get you, yeah, we'll get you one of those 25 ounce $18 mm. beers. And we've been making and, a lot of free content, Dustin. and i was gonna say too i know it's i know it's one of our sponsors but home field apparel the new shirts kate and i each got one uh shout out to them for sending us those they're awesome they're great designs the pistol patty the baseball the oklahoma a&m they're all awesome very comfortable uh there's a picture of me rocking one flexing looking cool so you you can go be like me yeah get one that picture is floating around on Homefield's Instagram. I hope they're giving yeah, they didn't you even ro- tag me. They I hope they're giving you royalties me. for that. That's, That's outrageous. They they got to sign you to an NIL deal for that. But yeah, so I wanted to shout that out because those shirts are really cool. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, if you see us uh, out at Southern this weekend, say what's up. Thanks to the a couple of people stopped me at Obrey on Saturday and Sunday and said uh, that they enjoyed the podcast, and that means a lot. I know that that means a lot to you, Dustin, when it happens, and it definitely did to me. It's like okay, cool, people are listening, and uh, <laughs> it's good to know that. So if you see us, say what's up, and uh, I won't hold you to the beer as long as you don't hold me to it. So um, anyway, Dustin, appreciate you as always, rocking it on the Twitter thread with Russell. Harrison can't wait to see what he does in a cowboy uniform but if you're not already following us it feels like 45 pod on twitter you are missing that content so hit that follow button at feels like 45 pod you can follow dustin at dust ragu and follow me on twitter at Cade webb dustin rapid fire who are you picking at southern uh this weekend oh man I- i'm just gonna go with one of the osu guys i'll go with uh i'll go with hovland to win I, I, that would be awesome i think hovland's I think Hovland's getting his first major this weekend. And that's not because he went to LSU. He loves Southern, (laughs) baby. That's how we end it. Mic drop. We'll talk to you guys next week. uh, Oh, yeah. Well, and yeah, and Scheffler is said it's like his favorite course, right? So he'll probably. Oh, yeah. We'll see about that. We'll see about that on Sunday, Scotty. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go, folks.